This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome to Cheers. I'm your host, Avery Woods. Hi guys, welcome back to Cheers. I'm your host, Avery Woods, and we have a very special guest today. Hi, Hunter. Hi, thank you for having me, Avery. Of course, this is Hunter Prosper, and you're probably the first person I've ever had on Cheers that doesn't show a lot of face on social media, but I know a lot of people know who you are. So for those that don't, can you give a quick intro of yourself? Yes. Well, my name is Hunter Prosper, and um, I I guess essentially what I do is I interview strangers. I ask them deep questions, um, and I try to show the world that we're more alike than we are different. Um, so every question I ask is very deep. Uh, it's not surface level or anything like that. So um just fun. I guess it got popular. I love it. Let's <laughs> cheers. Thank you so much for being here. I'm drinking my Black Rock because I'm a mom and need caffeine. Hunter's got some solid water. I love it. Well, we're in Arizona. So yeah, like we're in Arizona. In the middle of December and it's still, I think it's like 70 something degrees today, which is illegal. <laughs> um, okay, so I didn't want to do a lot of like back research about you yeah. because I followed you for so long and I've always loved your stuff. Thank you. But I literally just found out in my kitchen when you met David that <laughs> you and your girlfriend, well, first of all, you guys listen to our podcast, which is so cool. And kind of a backstory on how we got to this point was you sent me a DM yeah. and you were like, hey, my girlfriend, I love your podcast. If you ever want to guess, we'd love to be on. And I was like, oh, say less. <laughs> like, please, I'd be honored. And you guys were in Arizona. Yeah. So we got to this point, which was so cool. But I just found out in the kitchen that you guys are both nurses. Yep. And I'm like, my mind is blown. I had no idea. And so first of all, props to you for continuing to work as a nurse and also doing social media because I know how hard that is. But tell me about that. What kind of nursing do you do? Uh, I do ICU. Okay. Um, I would like to identify as a MICU nurse, medical ICU. But when I travel nurse, it's anything. Uh, Okay. San Francisco is neurotrauma and cardiac. Uh, it, it's just different all the time. But ICU is yeah. what I do. Yeah, and you guys are travel nurses, correct? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So do you guys obviously try to apply to get the same sort of contracts and locations to stay together? Yeah, but we're never competing because my girlfriend is, uh, her name is Madison, and, and she is a floor nurse. Okay. Uh, trauma floor, thing like yeah. that, tel- telemetry. Um, so we're never like in competition. We just want the same location. So yeah. if we want... Huntington Beach, California, which is where we just were. Um, we don't say, hey, we want the same job. We say, can you give us around the same hospital? Sure. And are you guys based anywhere or you just kind of travel wherever? Yeah, based in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay, I did not know that. Shout out Pittsburgh. Do you yeah. like it? Yeah. I really like Pittsburgh. I like it because it's very familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I started doing my content. Okay. Was, um, I was working as a nurse in Pittsburgh and then I started doing these interviews just in my neighborhood. Okay. Um, Pittsburgh is a city made up of neighborhoods. It's mm-hmm. really, Pittsburgh itself doesn't have an identity. It's every single neighborhood in Pittsburgh just makes up Pittsburgh City. So um, in my neighborhood, Bloomfield, um, which is like less than a mile long, I just would walk around the neighborhoods and interview people who I had seen over yeah. the years. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how it got big. It got really big from that. And so I was like, I think this could go anywhere in the country. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to ask you is how, like, what gave you the idea? Because it's so... I feel like, well, first of all, to grow such a huge platform without, you know, showing a lot of yourself is a big success because that's really hard to do. Yeah. But it's also 
really brave to just walk up to a stranger and ask you know questions like that and film them so what gave you that idea how did it start well i think the impetus was i was so sad from working in icu i I wasn't ready i started when i graduated college yeah when i graduated college i was working as a floor nurse and a lot of those patients that i would see were in the hospital one day and gone the next in a good way like they would go home and see their family and it was great um, everyone was happy. You could have conversations with them. All the questions I asked people on the street are the same questions I'd ask my patients. It's just now I ask them on the street. Um, and it was great getting to know them. And then I transitioned to the ICU, and it was the opposite. It was most people were sedated, paralyzed, um, on ventilators. We were keeping them alive with you know all, all sorts of measures. And I started just to lose a lot of people. Um, I couldn't have conversations with them, and I didn't get to know them very long because they most likely passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, doing CPR all the time and not feeling anything anymore, just kind of going through the motions, saying, okay, this person didn't make it. I have to get them to the morgue immediately so I can get another patient in here because it was just a revolving door. As you know, being in the PICU, like, yeah. that's, unfortunately, that's the reality a lot of times in the ICU. And I was sad. And I, I'm definitely not the smartest nurse in the world, but I pride myself and I love listening to people. And I wasn't able to listen to people and I lost. I didn't want to listen to people. So I would come home, didn't want to listen to my mom. She's like the greatest person in my life. It's always been her and I. Didn't want to listen to her talk. Didn't want to listen to my girlfriend. Didn't want to listen to friends, anything. Um, I was just losing connection with people. Looking back, it was burnout, and I just didn't recognize yeah. it. But um, I guess I just kind of told myself I have to, I have to do something about this uh, because I'm losing who I am, who I, th- who I think I am. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a patient pass away, and she was my age. And I was really upset because I didn't want her to pass away, obviously, but I actually got to build a relationship with her. And when she passed away, um, just two, three days before she had passed away, um, I'd asked her a question who her greatest love was. And the whole time she's in the hospital, she was really upset, obviously, because she knew she was going to pass away. And I remember she looked up at me and she started to cry. Mm. And she was so happy. It was tears of joy, like the biggest smile in the world. This woman was on her deathbed. Like she knew she was going to die. And yet she still found a way to smile because I had asked her this question and she started reflecting on her life and stuff. And um, the person who she fell in love with, coincidentally enough, which is crazy, uh, I had actually heard of this person. So I understood what others perceived him as. Other people perceived him as being a loser. She perceived him as being the one person that's making her smile on her, on her deathbed. And that just made me realize that we are all important. I mean, I always knew that, but it really made me say, okay, everyone has a story. Everyone's a main character. Because uh, to some people, this guy is a loser. To her, it is her deathbed smile. Um, and I just want to make a video kind of commemorating her. I wanted to talk about her story. Of course, with HIPAA in mind. I made yeah. everything anonymous. Um, but I wanted to tell her story, and it, and it just immediately blew up. Um, it caught fire and that made me realize that this platform has the opportunity to uh, really expand voices and stuff yeah um, hearing that because I didn't know how you got started makes me adore you even more because the fact that it started from nursing is crazy to me because like you said it's a different type of nursing in the ICU because sometimes you're not able to make that personal connection because like you said they're sedated they're vented whatever the case may be sometimes you know, they're brought in that way and that's how they pass where they're not conscious at all. So the fact that you, you know, found that connection and then brought it to the streets is just amazing to me. Thank you. What is, has been your favorite story from someone? Uh, that's hard, Avery. That's like picking a favorite child, you know? (laughs) Um, but my favorite story, um, you know, it was actually, it's actually one that I haven't posted. Okay. Uh, so I'll say it here because no one actually knows this okay. because I, I just recorded it. I've been doing this for three years now and um, I just recorded this a few months ago. And I don't know if I ever told you about it either, Madison. It's just, um, I'd met a girl in Huntington and um, her, she told me this beautiful story about what she imagined her life was going to be. And she was around my age and she had plans for um, a child and uh, they got a dog together. They got a house, everything. She had plans of what life was going to be like. And then he tragically and suddenly passed away. And I think that that I don't know if, I don't want to say that's my favorite, but what that did is that impacted me the most because I, as she was telling me the story, I identified so much as this guy that she was talking about um, this young relationship where they're so happy. And she imagined, uh, I remember the one thing that she told me was I'm going to be so upset 
because I know our little kids are going to love you more than me. Like mm-hmm. telling her, her future husband, um, because he was just such a great guy, like so fun, so personable. And uh, she bought her wedding dress and she still keeps it in her closet and thinking about him. And it just crushed me. So, yeah. um, I don't know about favorite, but in terms of one that impacted me the most, that's the one story. And being a nurse, I'm sure you're this way too. We, we become a little bit, um, we get a shell or a protective layer that we don't cry. So it takes a lot for me to cry. Mm-hmm. And this girl, I've never cried during an interview with a stranger. And this girl, I, I started to tear up and then it made her cry more and I felt terrible. And we just like rejoiced and hugged each other. And, yeah. and it was, it was a really special moment um, for a really tragic event. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, you met David. David and I both talk about the fact that we just kind of become numb almost, which is so sad. But it's also a coping mechanism when you work in the field that, you know, we came from. And I don't, especially working in PICU, if I didn't have that, though, I don't think I would be well. And, you know, it's, there's, I'm kind of the same way as you, where, like, I don't cry often. I would say I cried, like, when my kids are born or if something happens with them or just, like, if I'm at my breaking point. But I love that you have kind of like broken out of your shell but away from healthcare because I think emotionally that's really important for nurses especially like throughout COVID and seeing so much death it's hard to come back from that you know yeah how old are you 28 so we're the same age we're the same age twins that's right and you I think I've I saw an interview with you maybe on TikTok or something, that your mom raised you yeah. solo? Solo, yeah. Okay, so how was that growing up? Because um, I know you're really close to your mom. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it, it's amazing because my mother is just the strongest human in the world. Hi, mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. Um, she's going to get mad because she's always like, whenever you interview, stop talking about me. It's your show, not mine. Sorry, you know I mean? mom. It's my <laughs> fault. Blame me. No, but I have to highlight her. Um it was just her and I growing up, and that was very uncommon because much like David, I was in a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, and in small towns, especially when we were born, like 96, 95, yep. um, the household was complete. I mean, the husband may have been a drunk and the wife was cheating, but the household was complete. They never divorced. It was just, it was a dad, a mom, a dog, siblings, and a fence. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the white pig offense. It was just the American dream. And my mother... Uh, didn't have any of that. It was I don't even have siblings. It was just her and I. Um, and so I find it amazing how she was able to handle that. A lot of people ask me how I was able to handle because I don't really even know my father. Mm-hmm. Last time I had seen him, I was like four or five. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I and last time I ever talked to him or even said his name, really. Um, and so for me, it was everything was fine because my mom made it fine. Like She made me not think that I was different. For her... She was having to battle all the people talking about her. She was in her, you know, mid to late twenties. Um, women and men alike just judging her for not having a husband, or, or where is this dad at, mm-hmm. or you know, this kid's not going to become anything because you're a single mother. A lot of stereotypes and stuff. Um, you know, and, and I don't know. Here we are, and my, my mom did a great job. I, I like to think, and I think she's an amazing, strong woman. And um, yeah, I just want to highlight that she's the one that had to go through the stuff, not me. Yeah. I was just a happy little boy having fun. Um, she's the one that had to deal with all the criticism. And the fact that you, you know, like you said, you were a happy little boy having fun. Raising my kids, and I have such, Scotty can attest, like David is probably the most involved father I know, even working full time. I cannot even fathom doing it on my own. Yeah. So single mothers always have such a special place in my heart because I recognize the help that I have with my spouse and I see what an amazing man you are and like the joy you bring to the world. So shout out to mom. <laughs> shout out to mom. That is a hard thing. I also have to shout you out though too um, because I have a stepfather who came into my life. They're not married, but mm-hmm. they've been together a while. He came into my life when I was about 15 years old. Um, and I love him like my father. Without a doubt, he is my father. Um, and I just think it's amazing when someone can walk into another person's life that already has children. Um I, I sometimes think to myself, like, I don't know if I'm mature enough to do that. He did it at 24 years old. Um, so I don't know. Just shout out to you as well oh, for just you. being able to being able to keep that cohesiveness. Yeah. And those, I love those girls more than anything. But it's, I tell them all the time, I know I'm impactful in their life, but they 
almost like raised me in a way because when I became a mom to them, I was 18 years old, you know, like that's a baby. (laughs) And so they taught me so much and they always tell me like, we're your practice kids like before Ziggy was born, you know, and I'm like, yes, thank you. Because they're just like the best kids ever. But thank you. That means a lot. That's it's hard to do that. So what did you always know you wanted to be a nurse? Like what brought you to nursing? No, no, I didn't. So I knew I liked helping people. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I didn't really know what I liked to do. And when I was 18, I told my mother that I'm going to go to school for English Mm. and I was going to study writing and reading. Those are my two favorite hobbies. And as an 18 year old, I'm like, okay, that's what I want to do. I could see that. Yeah. So, so I went to college and um, much to my mother's chagrin, she didn't want me to go for English because she's a mom. She's protective. And after the first year or so, she was like, sweetie, why don't you try something that is like guaranteed employment? You know, instead of trying to maybe be an author or, or whatever you're trying to be, why don't you do something that's guaranteed and then pursue the things later? Mm-hmm. Like you can always, you can always pursue your hobbies once you have that security. And she was still supportive, but it was her being a mother. She was just like concerned that, hey, this might not work out. Um, so I, she suggested I shadow a nurse and I was like, okay, that was never even my head. And I shadowed a nurse, and it was beautiful to see the way this nurse was healing the patient, not with medicine at all, but with communication. And I was like, well, that's, I love communicating, um, so let me try that. And after after that, here I am as a nurse. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So did you, did you start right off the bat at 18 in college with... Yep. Okay, so you've been a nurse for a while then. Yeah, so I graduated um, in 2019. Okay. Um, and then since then, I've been a nurse. So it, yeah, it's been... A little bit. I do sometimes feel like I've just started as a nurse. Every and, day you and then, learn something. And, yeah, and then but also then the new kids will actually come in during the summer months, and then they're like literally look so young like a baby, and I'm like, oh, I'm not the new kid on the block at all. Like they're coming to me for answers. Oh like, yeah, oh, man, this is weird. You know what's funny <laughs> is I remember like my last couple of years in PICU when I was precepting and or like a nursing student would follow me and they'd be like, you're the smartest nurse I've ever <laughs> followed, and I'm thinking in my head. Fuck, I feel like I know nothing and I've been doing this for seven years. I was yeah. like, yeah, I know, right? It's crazy yeah. how smart I am. No, I I'm think like, what... me like, wait, let me look this up really yeah. quick. <laughs> yeah. No, when they say that, I think, well, this hospital is screwed then because if I'm yeah. the smartest nurse in this place. I know. But I just remember being a nursing student and looking at these nurses like they were gods. Uh-huh. They have I it all like, put together. You graduate nursing school, you passed your NCLEX, you're working as a nurse and just like all by yourself. Yeah. I was like, how... I, I was just in awe. So yeah. it's weird when you get to the point where that's you. Yeah. But I feel like even if I was a nurse for like 30 years, I would still feel that way. Yeah, I agree. So did you, where'd you go to college? Um, In a small school in Pennsylvania. Okay. It's called Indiana University, but not, not the University of Indiana. Yeah. It's a town in Pennsylvania called okay. Indiana. Um, So Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And then did you start your career there? No. So it is also a small town. So I was born in a very small town, went to college in a somewhat small town, and then there was like to a hospital between both of them. Like that was it. And I knew I wanted something. I knew I wanted to see a lot. I mm-hmm. wanted the level in trauma. I wanted to, I wanted to start high. And then anything I do is just like a footnote to that. So I was like, well, let me start high. And so I went to Pittsburgh um, and it's about an hour from Pittsburgh. So it wasn't a bad, okay. you know, transition. And did you stay there until you decided to start travel nursing? Yeah. Did you start travel nursing after you started TikTok or before? Um, it, it was after, okay. yeah, it was after, um, I had been a nurse, um, for two and a half years, just nursing, you know, um, like 300 followers on Instagram. Like if a photo got like 50 likes, I was like, man, I'm pretty that good. That was me. Yeah. I was like, I had like 300 <laughs> followers and I was a private yeah. account and I was like, oh my God, 30 likes. Yeah. I'm so artsy. Slay. Like, look at me. Like, <laughs> but, um, no, completely a nurse identified solely as a nurse, um, for two and a half years. And then that happened in the ICU. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was only on the floor for about a year and a half and okay. I was like, I want to do ICU. Um, and so I did ICU and it was definitely exhausting. And that's whenever it all kind of came full swing. Yeah. And, how long have you guys been together? Two, a little over two and a half years. And you met nursing? Yeah, in the hospital. Tell me that story. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I love the love story. Yeah, so I worked as a resource nurse. When I was okay. a floor nurse, I was a resource. Sure. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, that is you go to random floors. Any day you could go to a different floor. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go where they need help. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, her floor was one of the floors that I was going to that day. And it was a night shift. She doesn't remember this. So I'm happy she's not mic'd up because she, she can't well, defend also herself. Also, like, as a night shift nurse, that was, like, my first year. And I had a newborn. 
I don't remember anything <laughs> I did. I no, you're just a zombie. You just wake up and you're like hoping everything's good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, no, I just picked up on her floor and it was night shift. And as you know, like night shift can sometimes be um, less activity, mm-hmm. uh, so less help, which is scary, but less activity, which is sometimes yeah. nice. So we we're kind of just sitting at each other's um, like uh, computer or whatever, and I just. I was like, she's really cute. So I just started she talking. She is. She's yeah. a cutie. <laughs> I was trying um, to find you on social media and I couldn't. <laughs> I was trying to stop. Yeah. But I was like, you're a cutie. <laughs> so I, uh, I just started talking to her and um, I thought she was gorgeous when I first met her. But um, she says that I was, uh, what's the word you say? Yeah. <laughs> not the fuck. It's not boy. true though. It's not true. No. But but I had a. Yeah, he likes to, he likes to chat. Mm-hmm. I had my, my my hair was cut and faded and like this this long hair is new for me. So, okay. Um, I, my hair was like cut and faded and I like wore tight figs. I was like, I oh, was, you I, were oh, so you were the faded with the fig joggers boy? No, 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 never jogger, but figs nonetheless. You oh. know how they fit? They're like they're very um like they work. You know, for were you wearing people. a size small? Yeah, I was super small, extra I small. <laughs> how did they know? But um, I would not. I would not portray you as that kind of nurse. Like, yeah, like I don't know if I can look at you in the she, eye anymore. <laughs> yeah, but she wasn't impressed. I don't think so. I thought our conversation was great, but I don't know if she really thought it was that good. So then, you know, it certainly took a very long time from meeting her to convince her that I would like to talk to her um, outside of the hospital. But here we are. I tricked her somehow. And now she's... I love that story. Okay, so I don't want to get, like, too personal, but, yeah. like, what's the future plans with Madison, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'd love to marry her. <gasps> oh, I would. God. I mean, without a doubt. Um, I, I'm just. I can I invite myself to the wedding? <laughs> yeah, oh, we'd be yeah, honored. I love a good party. Yes, Scotty, Scotty too. David, Scotty, everyone, the, the there kids. There we go. New wedding. <laughs> I know um, I was I was telling London and Olivia I was like could we not have met you like a month prior <laughs> just so I could have like crowd surfed your wedding <laughs> <laughs> no but um yeah certainly I was actually I was telling you that I was getting a stories from a stranger video in the Uber drive yeah and um she was telling me she doesn't know if this person's the right person or what and I started just kind of venting my feelings about how I feel about Madison and um it's just kind of like you you never realize what you didn't have when you're in a relationship that's not really working mm-hmm. and then you're in a relationship that works and you're like wow oh this is what I thought I had my whole life like I thought I thought I was this type of person but now she's making me realize like oh this is really what true love is yeah um it's sort of like opening your eyes like widening your view and you're like oh okay I can see now and oh yeah I feel like she helps oh, me see I love that oh I love them okay that's like when I tell the story about when Dave and I had our first conversation, it's like the whole world around you is gone yeah. and you don't experience that until you meet your person. Yeah. And it's just the best. Cause you just want to be better for them and yeah. they make you better, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I can tell you guys are such a great pair. So I'm Thank so you. happy for you. Yeah. No, she, I mean, she galvanizes me. She makes me feel <laughs> infinite. I mean, I like that she humbles you with your She, she humbles me too. She humbles me too, for sure, without a doubt. And so to this day, I mean, yeah, I, she, uh, she knows what to say. I love it. Okay, so talk to me about this hair, because I feel like <laughs> yeah. it's iconic, and I don't think you should cut it. <laughs> so, my mother, everything goes back to her, right? Okay, I, mean, I love all, it. All roads lead to her, but mm-hmm. my mother was obsessed with my long hair, and as a little kid, I always had long hair. Mm-hmm. Um, then once I became a, a young boy, and I thought I was a man... I was like, well, no, I'm going to have short hair like all my buddies. Mm-hmm. And so my whole life, I was just like like two on the sides, a little long on top. And I was like, just, you know, blah, 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 do it. And uh, that was all the way until my senior year of high school. Senior year, I just got a little lazy. And I was just like, ah, I'm not going to I'm not gonna cut it. And then it grew just a little bit, enough for my mom to beg me to keep it. And I had graduation coming up, and my cap and gown wouldn't fit right with long hair. So I told her I have to cut it. But I remember how happy she was to see my hair long. So fast forward, you know, four or five years later, um, I'm still short hair in college. I graduate, move to the, move to the city, and COVID happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, my barber was this 85 year old Italian man, oh. and he he had had the shop for 60 years. I bet his fades were incredible. Oh, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was on top of the world when I went there. I was like, <laughs> I can talk to anyone with this haircut. Um, any wedding I had to go to, I was like, my guy, you know. Um, but so I went to him during COVID. I was like, let me see if I can get like one more. And this was like, 
uh, January, February, March, maybe March or April mm-hmm. of whenever COVID had really begun. And I went there and I remember him walking out of his store with like boxes. And I was like, oh, what's going on? He's like, and he, he's real broken English. After 60 some years of living there, still super broken English. Yeah. I love how Italians don't care. They're like, we're just oh, yeah. going to keep our. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I was like, what's going on? He's like, uh, COVID, I'm too old, don't understand. Uh, I don't even know what's going on. I'm leaving. And he was like, can you carry my bag with me? So I helped like move him out of his store. Uh, but I was hoping maybe I could like cop a free haircut from that. <laughs> but I, he then he just laughed. He's like, I, no, I don't give a shit. Just <laughs> help me move my stuff yeah. out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then I've never seen him again. So I was wow. like, well, there's my guy. I've been going to him for two years. Um, and it's like, it's like a fade style too. It's not like just like a simple cut. I was like, I'm no, nervous. you can't go to sports clubs. No, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I don't know what to do. And I told my mom and she was like, please, please grow your hair for me. And she's like, just grow it past the awkward phase. Just, just one time. And if you do that, I'll be a very happy mom. And I was like, I'll do anything to make my mom happy. So I was like, okay, grew my hair. And uh, even during the awkward phase, I was like, this is kind of fun. Like, this is cool. I get my curly hair from her. So I was like, this is like, mm-hmm. I can like see my ringlets now. You know, yeah. this is kind of cool. So I kept it. And then, I mean, here we are now with really long hair. And like you said, it's a lot of people recognize me from it. So I almost feel like I can't cut it now. Yeah. It's like your identity. <laughs> but if I do cut it, um, I want to donate it. Uh, oh, tr- I, I want to donate all the way up as short as I can get. Like yeah. similar to Scotty. Yeah. I want to get as short as him. Yeah. And then donate whatever I can. So maybe two feet. Yeah. Well, I cut two feet off and they wouldn't let me because it was dyed. Oh, really? I was so sad because I dye it just like a little bit darker than my natural hair. And I cut two feet. And I was like, obviously coming from nursing, I worked with like a lot of kids that went through cancer treatments. And they wouldn't let me because it was dyed. But you're in a great spot where yours is natural. I would love to have some little kid walk around with my hair. That's that's iconic. That's the only reason why I would cut it. Yeah. Um, So I might eventually someday, and it will be going to a little child. I love that. For sure. Um, So David's hair is that curly. Really? It's ringlets. And if he, in law enforcement, it's very strict with the haircut. But if he wasn't, oh, I would make him grow hair like that. (laughs) I love it. Do you do man buns? I do, I do. So actually, the event that Madison and I just went to because I know day, Madison man, was like, "Should we put your hair up for the podcast?" <laughs> so when I put my hair up, it's only ponytail because my mom is like, she's very strict, only ponytail. Mm-hmm. Whereas I kind of like the man bun look sometimes. Um, but if I do a man bun, Madison has to tie it for me. I can't. I have. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I do it, and I'm like, it looks like lopsided and weird, and I'm like, I look like homeless with long hair. So I was like, please, just. <laughs> man bun me for me and so she does it but ponytail i can handle a ponytail you better learn because if you ever have girls yeah like you saw a long stevie's hair is like david's got the piggies down now yeah. like uh-huh. you're gonna practice some piggies on yourself it's yep send me a picture yeah. of that <laughs> that's a good idea i love her messy bun look so i'm like babe can you give me your oh, messy that's bun cute and so she'll messy bun me and i'm like i look disgusting never mind i'm just gonna ponytail <laughs> A cheerleader. Well, because okay, that's so cute. I think about a ponytail being back here, and you can't see it. Yeah. I like when you can see my like oh, yeah. ponytail. Oh yeah. Oh, so we're I'm talking like, right on top. It's of up. Head. Yeah. No, I mean not like Cindy Lou Who, but Slay. like certainly like uh, you can see it a little bit, like a cheerleader. So yeah. Like, it cheerleader. also killed me like the second I met you when you were like, oh, I just use a two in one shampoo. Yeah, like, I do. I thought we were gonna keep that secret. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna give you, before you leave, don't let me forget, Scotty, because I just got a bunch of stuff from Day, because my friend Amber owns Day hair. I'm gonna give that to you, okay. because that's gonna change your life. Yeah, okay. I'll give Madison some too, but like, your hair is gonna smell so good, Yeah. and it's gonna make your hair so clean and soft, and okay. then you'll never go back. Who's your friend? Amber Phillip. Okay. She owns, Shout out Amber. Yeah. She owns Day Hair in Sephora. Okay. So cool. She's like 10 minutes down the road. She's the nicest human ever. <laughs> but her hairline's the best. And yeah. she's going to die if she hears you use a two-in-one with that gorgeous hair. <laughs> Amber fix me. <laughs> oh. Okay. So tell me about the like anonymous note buckets that you do. Yeah. Because that's one of my favorite things that you do. Yeah. It also always makes me cry. <laughs> How did you get that idea? So the impetus for that was I would interview strangers and I'd say seven times out of 10, they say yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But the times they say no, most of the time it's because they don't like the way they look Mm -hmm. or they just don't like their voice. Yeah. It's, I'm always like, oh man. They're also just not like comfortable on camera. Like that's a hard thing. Yeah. No, exactly. So I was always like, I know they have a story to tell, but they just don't have an opportunity to tell it. Okay. So I'd like walk away and leave. And then I kind of sat there and racked my brain and I was like, if... 
Ooh, if I do this, people can put in their notes anonymously. They can get their story out there. They can still feel therapy because it's like they just wrote into a diary. Mm-hmm. And then they get to tell their story still. Yeah. So uh, that was the main reason for that because I wanted to make sure everyone can tell their story. Yeah. And there are sometimes that even the nicest person loves my content, loves every video I do. They don't want to be on the camera. And I'm like, that's fine. Just mm-hmm. here's like a little diary and your story will still be out there. Yeah. And sometimes hearing it, um, I've had notes videos where I don't know who put the note in. But uh, after I upload it, it'll get like hundreds of thousands of comments. People saying like, oh, this helped me so much. Or, oh, my gosh. Then that person will reach out and say, hey, that was my note. And I was like, oh, wow. And they'll tell me like, I love these comments. It's helping me so much. Like Aww. it's helping me go to therapy or it is my therapy. Yeah. So it's fun to do that. Do you set your tripod up and like aim it there and just yeah. sit there for a couple hours? Yeah, literally. Yeah. Wow. The, the first time was uh, in Bloomfield in Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, but then the second time and it was like. I love Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh's very um, hard hat lunch pail. Like they're going to work there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, New York City is a whole different vibe. We were in Washington Square Park, and maybe, <clears throat> maybe like ten minutes had passed, and we had probably fifteen, thirty people. And then an hour passed, we had like a hundred. There was a line. No way. There, there was a line, and I was like, oh man, this is kind of weird that there's a line. Like, do they know who you are though, and what you're doing? Half the time, yeah. New okay. York City, they oh, they recognize me a lot in New York City. Yeah. Um, Pittsburgh is kind of funny. Like no one really. Like, you're like, um, this is my hometown. Hello. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm actually a star here. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but um but yeah, no, New York City they definitely recognize and they they just get excited for it. So. Yeah. That city's so alive. And everyone oh, has a story yeah. to tell there. Yeah. Like, and it's like I went when we were I was in New York City over the summer for a brand trip and it's so funny because I'm like, the different walks of life, I like see this super rich, stylish mom with like her kids and her nanny. And then, like, a guy over here that's homeless but playing music on the street and just happy as can be. Like, it's just so diverse, which I love. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's just so alive. So I feel like so many people are are there ready to tell their story. If you're in New York City, I get the feeling that you're surviving. Totally. Like, like you – it's not that you're living happily. It's like you're surviving this race. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the subway is the great equalizer. Like, you Mm -hmm. have millionaires and homeless people riding it. 100%. that's the only means of transportation. 100%. And that's like Paris. Yeah. Paris is very similar Mm -hmm. in that way. Okay, what was the first, do you call it bucket? What do you call that segment? Yeah, have we ever said, I mean, bowl? Like it's bowl? Like a, it's, it's a fishbowl. So, fish yeah, bowl. yeah. what happened was, um, before we started traveling, I was saying, Madison really wants a dog. And I was like, Madison, we, we we have a lot to do right now. So instead of a dog, let's like compromise and get something a little easier that we can still leave. And a, a goldfish was what we decided. Because we have a roommate, and like, okay. he just takes care of it. And um, the goldfish didn't make it. And I was like, oh, man, that's shocker. Yeah. I'm with a shocker on that one. <laughs> and uh, and we had a bowl. I was like, I just bought a five-gallon bowl for essentially nothing. And I was like, oh, here's a new idea. No way. Yeah. That's a cool story. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. So what was the first, like, one that you did? The first question or? The, the first question was, what's something you wish you would have said? Um, mm-hmm. And immediately I knew that, that people wanted to see these videos because um, within maybe a week it had like 30 million views yeah um, and i was like okay and, but the views are one thing that's cool it can reach a large audience but the comments are another yeah and the comments were just beautiful and they were just like wow this is i love this series but mm-hmm. also like i want to hear more it, this is helping me so much and i was like there we go like exactly what i wanted to set out to yeah do, to be able to do it. and that's i feel like when you're a meaningful content creator like i don't i don't fixate on views or likes or numbers because I just want to post something that makes me happy or that I can like look back with memories of my kids on or, you know, ways I can help nurses wanting to leave for burnout or moms that are like, thank you for showing that you don't get fully glammed up seven days a week to like take your kids to the grocery store or that some moms will even comment like the fact that you shop at Walmart makes me feel so much better. Cause I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to go five minutes down the road to the fancy grocery store yeah. and pay twice the cost for a gallon of milk you know like that kind of stuff is what means the most which i know you are so impactful in like helping people and resonating to other people's stories and like you were saying when they're encouraged to go to therapy or that they're not alone that you should feel so proud of yeah of course i mean you as well it's like when you make a video and it doesn't it doesn't do what all your other videos do um it's it's different for you and me because it's like the two thousand people that saw that video needed that video yes like yes it didn't go crazy viral and give you all these brand deals and go nuts and make you look so cool but what it did do is help 
100 people. Yes. And like they, they need that video. They saved it. Yes. They have it on their phone. They look at it maybe once every week, two times a week. It's like that's up to you now to kind of like that. That's that's their therapist. You can't just take that away from them now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the fact that you have a huge platform that you could very comfortably live off of, yeah. but you still continue to work as a nurse. Mm-hmm. Do you think it'll always be that way? I don't know. So Madison and I are actually, I haven't talked about this yet either, but we're actually going to start a book. Um, Amazing. Which is fun. So that's going to take a lot of our time. Yeah. Um, because the book is going to be like my videos, but mm-hmm. it's going to be in book form. And I want all new strangers. Um, and I want 100 strangers. So because of that, we have to go all over the country and no nursing schedule will accommodate for that. Yeah. I can't be like, hey, can I do like six months across the country? <laughs> um so when that comes, I think that we're really, we're really going to think about dialing it back. But yeah. um, until then, travel nursing affords a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you work three months at a time. You can re-up your contract, work three more months or however long you want. And then you can take off four weeks in between. Yeah. You, know, you can take off a month and a half. Like right now, we're going home for the holidays. Yeah. Um, so it lets you really, it lets it gives you a lot of flexibility. And then you can go right back hitting the grind. Yeah. Um, and I also think people don't realize you can always go back to nursing. Like I will always renew my license. And I mean, I know a lot of nurses that took all of COVID off, like during the pandemics because they had little kids at home or they were maybe, you know, compromised and they were able to go back. And I think that's such a beautiful part of nursing is that it's just always there. Do you think you would ever do anything other than the ICU? Yes. I've, I've talked to Madison about this. The medical ICU was one thing, um, and you know, shout out to all the medical ICU nurses because that is very difficult. Oh, it's so hard. But uh, a lot of those patients I saw, there's an argument to be made that they had lived a lot of their life, and um, just just leave it at that. But where neurotrauma ICU, what I worked, that was 22-year-old kid walking on a sidewalk and yep. a motorbike hits him, and now he's brain dead, and I have to drill, help drill into his head to put an EVD, and I'm looking mm-hmm. at him. It was very, um, seeing people my own age and seeing people who didn't walk themselves into it or, or didn't expect anything in life and then it's just gone in an instant, that really messed with me. Um, and you would see that a little bit in cardiac ICU as well, but neurotrauma, that kind of messed me up to be like, I really want to start having a like healthy relationship again, um, which I do with nursing now, but it's, it's still, no matter how hardened you become, there's still days where you can go home and cry. Yeah. And I sometimes think to myself, what would it be like to have a job that I don't go home and cry? You know? Um, so I love the ICU. I think I have a lot to offer and the ICU has a lot to offer to me. Um, that's why I love it so much. The acuity is so high and I feel like I'm really making a difference, but there's going to be a day where I don't do the ICU completely. Yeah. I so. could see you as like a, I, I don't know why, but I could totally see you as an L&D nurse. You know what? Okay. So, so I shadowed L&D. Did I, I did it for, I did it for a month. Um, yeah, Scott's yeah, like, labor and delivery, LMD? labor and delivery. Lab- Sorry, <laughs> for those that don't know, it's labor and delivery. Yeah, so I shadowed there, and it was actually a lot of fun. And I actually delivered a baby with a nurse. It was cool. I got the those in. nurses are badass. Oh my god, they're amazing. Yeah, and they run the show. Oh yeah, um, and then shout out nurse midwives as well. Oh yeah. Um, but so I got to cut the umbilical cord and uh, do the Apgar score. And I was like, oh man, this is like really cool. And then I remember a mother. Uh, I remember. <laughs> She was really nice, but she was like, hey, sweetie, you know, it's been great with you, but I was, I just want to let you know, like, I'm getting a little, I don't, I think it's weird that you're in here. Yeah. And like, I'm a guy and, and, and you're a guy. Yeah. And she was like, I really mean no offense by it, but um, if there's any way, could I have the nurse switch today? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but after that, I was like, I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes like L&D, like you have to do examinations and you have to do things. And it's like, I don't want you guys to think I'm weird. And I also, yeah. I, like, other nurses can make a difference in that field. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, maybe. maybe it is different as this obvious straight man. <laughs> yeah. And I mean that in the nicest way. Yeah. But I mean, like, with your personality and you're, like, the most encouraging, positive uh-huh. person. I feel like you'd be, like, chanting behind those women <laughs> holding their legs like, you got this. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I remember when I gave birth to Ziggy. Um, so I labored for 43 hours and then it was emergency C-section uh-huh. and I didn't get an epidural until like right before my C-section cause he went bradycardic. But anyways, they had ended up having to do three cervical Foley balloons cause I was max on Pitocin. I just wasn't dilating, 
but I remember just full-fledged legs up. They were putting like the third Foley balloon and I was just a mess crying. I was so exhausted and they were like, are you okay if nursing students come in? And of course, as a nurse, I was like, yeah, of course, whatever. But also in my head, I'm like, couldn't we have done this like 20 hours ago? In walks this young, looks like a boy. He looked like he was 15 years old and like his school scrubs. And he's like this. Just making eye contact. Just like fully <laughs> peeking over, just all up in the business. And the nurse was like, see, look. And he's like, he's like getting so close. And I was just kind of like looking at David like, okay, like I'm all about like education and learning. But then he walked out and I looked at David. I was like, okay, no more students. Yeah. I was like, I'm not in the mood today. I'm not in the mood. Yeah. I want this baby out of No, me. shout out for you and shout out to the patients that allow us to uh, like teach. Oh, yeah. Because that, I mean, you need human subjects. Yes. And it can be really embarrassing. And it's very like a vulnerable setting that you're yeah. in. Um, but and, yeah, that's. <laughs> and I also think, you know, it made me sad when I was working during the pandemic. I would get so many students that were like, oh, yeah, I learned to put an IV in a cucumber over Zoom. Yeah. And I was like, uh that's concerning oh yeah because oh, yeah. i'm like and it's not it's just sad because like there really was no other choice because mm. they weren't in class but i'm mm. like imagine graduating nursing school walking into your first day as a nurse and you've never touched a patient like that is so overwhelming for those poor students and yeah. like new nurses mm -hmm. so i always try to be really hands-on but it was also hard you know towards the end before i left that was when all those like mid pandemic students were graduating yeah. and they were, they'd never put an IV in and I would have like a super sick newborn. And yeah. I was like, this is probably not, not the time. like the kid to practice yeah. on. Yeah. But I mean, I, I will say that a lot of those nurses, it's almost like uh like baptism by fire. Like yeah. if you just go into the hospital and you learn, that's the best teacher. Like totally. I, I really don't think I had to go to college. I think what I should have done was just out of high school, just go to the hospital. I tell people that all the time. Yeah. That's the best teacher. Mm -hmm. So those students, when they came in, I, I have a few of them that I have in my mind where it was scary. Um, and I look at them now three years later and I'm like, wow, you're an amazing nurse. Yeah. And, and it's just because that you just need to do it. Totally. And I, I was so grateful, you know, for all the nurses that I would shadow in my clinicals that were letting me be so hands-on with these patients. But I tell people all the time, I'm like, you just got to get your degree. I'm like, cause you will learn so much in your first year of nursing you're gonna be like this is so much more than i learned in my four years yeah. Yeah. of my degree and throw the book at the door too because it's not real life no it's not real <laughs> there's life protocol then there's real life it's yeah it's not real life at all it's yeah it's concerning i was in the nicu for a little bit too were I, you I, yeah i did like a uh like a six month little externship thing. okay um and that those nurses were some of the most caring like beautifully hearted nurses they oh, yeah. deal with like six sick babies mm -hmm. at a time these babies are like two ounces mm -hmm. and they're just holding them in the palm of their hand and they're just and first of all the the outfits are adorable because it's like little barbie clothes and they would like crochet the hats yeah, for them. exactly mm -hmm. and it just felt like they all had a relationship with the parents um it was really beautiful to see and it, that was an avenue i was thinking about going down again but it was also another situation where i don't know i just feel like it's it's not very male dominated and i felt bad if the mother felt uncomfortable but like I was just holding their baby and mm -hmm. like, rocking my baby, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was like, maybe I'm not the most like motherly person. So I'll let you guys do that. I, when I was thinking about when I would, I was going to say Nikki, but then I thought about L&D because I feel like you would be a great Nikki nurse. And I feel like the men that, cause I was cross-trained. So mm -hmm. I was mostly picky, but I would float to Nikki a yeah. lot. And I feel like male Nikki nurses were great in connecting with the fathers yeah. Because especially first time dads, that's like such an overwhelming thing already. Mm -hmm. But then when your kid's in the hospital, yep. they're like, they don't want to be hands on. They don't want to touch their baby because exactly. it's overwhelming. Like they have so many wires and all these things on yeah. them. But it's a horrifying sight. Oh, it's so sad. If, if you've never seen it, it is, it is really um, mm -hmm. a terrifying. You know? Yeah. I, that was what I wanted. That's what I went to school for. Like I was set in stone my entire life. I will yeah. be a NICU nurse. That's yeah. all I wanted to do. And then when I did my externship, I, I, I liked it, but I was like, I feel like I can't make a connection with these kids because mm -hmm. God bless them. They're just like these little blobs. Yeah, like literally. you, they're in their incubator. If they're really sick, you're definitely not holding them. But I, then I did a clinical, I think in the PICU 
And I was like, oh, I get the best of both worlds. I get newborn babies, but I also can take care of kids up to age 17. And I really got to connect with them. And I'm just more of a personal person. Like I love talking and making those relationships. So shout out to all the peds nurses because you guys are the real ones. Really, really. Okay, so your contract just ended. Yep. Um, Was it November? Mid-November. Okay, so recently. And you were in Huntington? In Huntington Beach, yeah. Nice. Did you like it? So I come from Pittsburgh, as we said. Oh. So yes, that's I a big loved that's it. a big change. Oh my gosh, yeah. I loved it. It was um, it was paradise. As well, in terms of weather, mm-hmm. it was certainly paradise. Every day you wake up, it's seventy five degrees, and there's something to be said about knowing what you're gonna wear. Mm-hmm. Like Pittsburgh, it could be thirty two and then sixty eight within like a flash. Huntington, if it's seventy, it's gonna be seventy three. Yeah, that's about. If it's seventy five, it's gonna be seventy seven. Mm-hmm. So you can wake up and be like, I know what I'm wearing today. I know what I'm doing today. And today's gonna be a good day because yeah. it's always sunny. Yeah. Um. And it, and it like rains in the morning only, like five six a.m. because mm-hmm. the, the it's ocean like a little sprinkle. Yeah, and it's just perfect to make everything green. And it never rains again until morning again. And it's like, wow, what is this? Uh, we stayed two months longer than we were three months longer than we were supposed to because we loved it so much. I but. foresee you moving to the West Coast then. <laughs> it's hard though, Avery, because my mother. Oh, that's true. Um, so, yeah, we can't leave mom. Yeah, exactly. So everyone, without exception, lives in Pennsylvania. It's mm. in my family. Um, and when the time comes to have children, I want my children to have grandparents and uncles and aunts. Um, it, it takes a village, I'm sure. As oh, you know. yeah. So it'd be cool to be like those people on the West Coast, but it's like if my family's all there and they're not, you know, they're small town people, so they don't really fly that much. And um, it's been on our mind. It's been a topic we've been talking about a lot. So who knows where we end up? Well, and you, you walked into my house right off the bat. You met me, <laughs> Scotty, Stevie, Ziggy's at school. David, my mom, my dad was on a run. So like you met my village within exactly. five minutes. Exactly. And it's, I, I would like that. Yeah. So. And that's, that's so, it's so rare, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately it is so rare to be able to have that. So if you have that, and I know just hearing you talk about your mom, she's going to worship your kids. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's going to be so special for mm-hmm. her. Okay. So what, so you're going home for the holidays. Yes. Do you know how long you're staying there? Um, until probably the first or second week of January. Where are you from, Madison? You are too? (gasps) It worked out. What? (laughs) Oh, so you guys got to stay there for when you have kids. You can always vacation. That's what people say. Yeah, you're fine. So what future, so you talked about the book. Mm -hmm. What future plans do you have other than that or through TikTok or what's going on? I, whatever I do, I want to make sure I'm doing the same thing, which is highlighting people's stories. So in any capacity I can do that, I want to do it. Um, but the book is going to be a big deal right now. So the book is definitely the forefront of my mind because I went to school for English, which is crazy that my mom said, why don't you just go to school for nursing? Eventually, you can maybe think about writing a book. Mothers are always writing. Yep. And, you know, I eventually am now writing a book, which is crazy. Um, and she lets me know that she was right. Like She always lets <laughs> me know for sure. She's like, remember what I yeah, told you? Exactly. Um but so the book certainly, and I know that's going to take a lot of bandwidth. That's going to be probably a year in the making. Um, and then beyond that though, I mean, it's longer content. I've, I've, which I think is really cool that, that you and like your circle does is long form TikToks. Mm-hmm. Madison was watching your stuff like a long time ago. We were in Huntington and it was like a two, two minute video or two and a half. And I was like, Madison, that's a vlog. That's like a proper vlog. Like what, how are you watching this on TikTok? Like my videos I thought were long and they were 35 seconds, mm-hmm. 45. I was like, what's happening here? And it was a culture shift. And I think like you're heading it. A lot of girls and, and guys like are heading it where longer content's making on, on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And longer content means you have uh, a higher chance of sustainability. You get to see more of you, more of what you're about. Um, so I had always said, oh, yeah, you know, someday I'll just do YouTube. Um, and now it's kind of like I will still love to do YouTube because I grew up loving YouTube. But TikTok's kind of like getting to be the long form place too. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be like 10 minute, 15 minute videos, but certainly like two three four minutes is becoming the norm yeah and it's interesting you said that because i was just talking to one of my friends that also does content and she was saying she was reading an article that the average attention span right now for a person is 15 seconds Mm -hmm. which is why people just scroll 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 all the time and people ask me all the time like please do like a a youtube page or you do longer vlogs i I'm just that kind of person that I have to give a hundred percent and I, I'm already stretched so thin. I just can't do it. So I love that that's kind of being brought back into TikTok and Instagram reels. And I feel really lucky that, you know, my audience or people like my content to be able to sit there longer than 15 seconds and stay. 
But it's funny because I feel like if I make a long video, I'm like kind of insecure to post it. I'm like, oh, wait, are people going to watch this? I did like a closet clean out video because I donated a bunch of stuff at the women's shelter. And it was eight minutes. And I told David, I was like, I don't think I'm going to upload it. Like, that's so long. No one's going to watch it. It like blew up. And I was like, (laughs) I was just donating clothes. Like, I wasn't doing anything too cool. But it's true. When people just love you and like your content and are interested in your life, they'll stay yeah. to watch, you know? I think the biggest thing is if you're into you and you're into your content, yeah. they'll stay. Totally. The the people that try to make long content simply because they hear it's the new wave, those people tend to do not as good because yep. the audience can feel it. Yep. But if you're making long content and you're loving it and you're like, man, this is kind of cool. Like, yeah. oh, wow, an eight-minute video. Um, if you took pride in your in your artwork and you post it, then they're going to feel that. So yeah, that and it's, it's passion. It's not forced. And that's what I yeah. tell people all the time. Scotty can attest this like people in our personal life, if they are trying to do social media or do something on social media to make money, it'll never be successful. You, that's like, I I feel like my audience, I know my audience has grown immensely just this year, but I've done content for almost 10 years where I wasn't making any money. I just loved sharing my my journey in nursing school and as a nurse and as a new grad nurse and study tips and random things that would keep me going and that I like doing, but the audience just wasn't necessarily big for it, which is okay. You know, you just have to find what you're passionate about, what you like doing. And you've done such a great job at that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Now that those are the favorite artists to see is that I I follow this person on Instagram and they have like 30,000 followers and they've been doing it for years and they're just happy as can be. Yeah. I don't care. Like yeah. the, their engagement might be the lowest it's ever been. They don't care because they're engaging their stuff. Yeah. Like, I love this, this picture. This oh, uh-huh. photo. yeah, totally. hundred percent. Okay. Well, I think that's it. I yeah. honestly, I think this was amazing and I just loved getting to know you because you are the face behind stories with a stranger. And I feel like so many people are going to get to know you so much better. And I just really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Avery. This was so fun. I do have to say, um, I want to shout you out, which oh. I've been doing a few times, but shout you out because, um, having followed you for a little bit now, you're very vulnerable and open in your experience with the highs of social media and the lows, the toxicity that comes with it. And I think that is super important. Um, not just to creators, but to the audience alike, that, that vulnerability and showing, when it gets bad or what the darker side of social media. Um, I really appreciate that you do that. Thank you. I, you know, I feel like I was raised to kind of be a tough bitch and I feel like I kind of got to the breaking point of, I needed to voice to these people that their comments they make behind their fake profiles, real people are reading them. And I just, I don't like where social media has gone with that, where there's all these keyboard warriors because I know so many people personally that struggle immensely with mental health that are huge on social media and they would, you would never know that they struggle with that. So I'm like, if I can do anything, I would, I would use my voice for that, which was one of the main reasons I wanted to start this podcast, which I told you about off camera, where I want to give a voice to those people on social media that experience so much negativity where I can bring a positive light to their platform and them as human beings. Cause that's all we are. We're just human beings, mm-hmm. you know? I agree. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, cheers. Thank you so yes, much for cheers. being do we, here. Do we have to do it again? Right? I know, right? <laughs> cheers. Our yummy water. Yes, Thanks yummy for being water. here. <laughs> thank you. Oh, and I, I love you, mom. Oh, oh we love <laughs> you, mom. Oh, God.